Over and over in the first letter of John to the church, we hear of John's concern for knowledge, for truth, for living correctly, for loving well. John seems concerned that there is a struggle taking place in the ancient church. Some have left in denial of Christ. Some have left in denial of the Father and the Son, or of truth. There seems to be a debate taking place regarding the proper way to live and how to interact in the world. Our passage for this morning shows this same concern that we have seen throughout the letter, concern for living faithfully and following the truth. So we're going to read 1 John chapter 4, verses 1 through 6. Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God. For many false prophets have gone out into the world. By this you know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. And every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. And this is the spirit of the Antichrist, of which you have heard that it is coming. And now it is already in the world. Little children, you are from God and have conquered them. For the one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. They are from the world. Therefore, what they say is from the world. And the world listens to them. We are from God. Whoever knows God listens to us, and whoever is not from God does not listen to us. From this, we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. Let us pray. Lord, this morning we are reminded that the questions and struggles of today are not so different from the questions and struggles of the past. Teach us that we may learn from the wisdom of the early disciples. Amen. Chapter 4 begins with the admonition to test the spirits and not to trust every spirit that comes along because not every spirit is from God. Not every spirit is true. John's message to the early church is not unique. It is the same message that the people of God have received throughout history. Watch out. Not everyone who comes to you speaks the truth. Watch out. False teachers will try to deceive you. Watch out. Some will falsely say whatever gives them power or favor. We need to be able to tell them apart. As I read John's admonition to us, I thought of this clip from NCIS Los Angeles from several years ago. Amazon Depot? Go purchase. Same thing here. I am amazed with the sounds and even 
dates not playing to some sort of stereotype, okay? Just it's really detail-oriented. So what, tribes are planning on waging a war with Arsenal of fake persons? They might. Your bags almost, almost as they look. Kind of fit good as Punch Out Lake. There's no more traffic. Even terrorists. Like the 2004 terrorist bombings in Madrid. DHS sees billions of fake goods every year. That's just what they can find. Extremely detail-oriented. That is true of Nell throughout the whole series, and it's certainly on display in this clip. To Nell, these purses are obviously counterfeits. Every single detail about them is wrong, and she can see that immediately. But to the other agents, the purses seem legitimate. They're not aware of the finer details, and they cannot spot the counterfeits when they open the boxes. John asks us more, to be more like Nell than the other agents. We are to intimately know the Spirit of God and Jesus to whom the Spirit of God testifies. We need to be prepared to spot the counterfeits at all times because just like the counterfeit goods, missing the counterfeit spirits can lead us to paths of destruction and have bigger implications. Throughout history, God's people have tended to be more like the other agents than like Nell. False prophets were a recurring event in the life of the prophet Jeremiah. The Lord over and over was giving Jeremiah messages of judgment, prophecies to convict the people and to bring them back to God. And as Jeremiah shared the Lord's messages, the other false prophets kept telling people that they would not see sword or famine but would instead experience lasting peace. In Jeremiah 14, 14, the Lord says, the prophets are prophesying lies in my name. I have not sent them or appointed them or spoken to them. They are prophesying to you false visions, divinations, idolatries, and the delusions of their own minds. But the people were not very good at testing the spirits. They listened to the false prophets who told them what they wanted to hear, and they threw Jeremiah into a pit. But it was Jeremiah, the prophet who was saying hard things, who was proven true when the prophecies came to pass. The prophet Ezekiel was facing the same thing. The false prophets were proclaiming peace when there was no peace. God said, your prophets, Israel, are like jackals among the ruins. You have not gone up to the breaches in the wall to repair it for the people of Israel so that it will stand firm in battle on the day of the Lord. Their visions are false and their divinations a lie. Even though the Lord has not sent them, they say the Lord declares. We get similar warnings in the New Testament from Jesus himself. In the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus tells us to watch out because people will come to us in sheep's clothing, but they will really be ferocious wolves who will be ready to devour. Jesus says that if we watch the fruit of the people who come, we will see which they are. Yes, God's people have always needed to watch out for false prophets, for counterfeits. We have always needed to discern wisdom. We have always needed to discern truth. We have always needed to discern false spirits. But the truth is, we, like Israel, 
have usually been pretty bad at testing the spirits. It makes sense. We are sinful people, and we do not like to be confronted by the truth when it challenges our lives, reminds us that we haven't been faithful to what God has called. Most often, our lives are not 100% in alignment with the Lord. Who among us has not felt uncomfortable hearing challenges from Scripture? Challenges like Matthew 5, if you are offering your gift at the altar and there remember that your brother or sister has something against you, leave your gift there in front of the altar. First go and be reconciled to them, then come and offer your gift. Challenges like Matthew 25, I was hungry and you gave me nothing to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me nothing to drink. I was a stranger and you did not invite me in. I needed clothes and you did not clothe me. I was sick and in prison and you did not look after me. Truly, I tell you, whatever you did not do for one of the least of these, you did not do for me. What about Mark 12? Love the Lord with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind with all your strength. The second commandment is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. Or Colossians 3. Put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry. Because of these, the wrath of God is coming. I could go on and on and on. When we examine our lives in the light of God, we do not measure up, and it is much easier to turn off the voices that challenge our decisions and question our choices. John knows how tempting this is. It is why he is constantly challenging the church. So he says, test the spirits. And we have to confess that if the voices we are hearing are always telling us what we want to hear, Maybe they are more like the false prophets in Ezekiel than the Spirit of God. If the voices align with the powerful, if they bolster our pride, if everything they say agrees with what we already think, they are probably more like the false prophets of Jeremiah than the Spirit of God. We have to learn to test the spirits so that we are not swayed by the many counterfeits that are running around our world and society. So how do we test the spirits? John has tests for us, as does Jesus and the Old Testament prophets. Their tests will require us to pay close attention to details, just like Nell in the clip, and to listen with open ears and observe with wide open eyes. John is calling us to be able to spot the counterfeit spirits that are masquerading as the Spirit of God and trying to deceive us. In chapter 2, John's test for the false teachers was whether they confessed Jesus as Messiah, whether they confessed the Father and the Son. Here in chapter 4, John adds another test. Do they confess Jesus as incarnate in the flesh? The humanity of Jesus is one of the basic Christian doctrines. It is in both the Nicene and Chalcedonian creeds, which came out of the early church councils. The full Godhead and the full humanity of Jesus is affirmed. 
Listen to the strength with which they affirm both divinity and humanity. The Nicene Creed says, we believe in one Lord Jesus Christ, the only begotten Son of God, begotten of the Father before all worlds, God of God, light of light, very God of very God, begotten, not made, being of one substance with the Father by whom all things were made, who for us men and for our salvation came down from heaven and was incarnate by the Holy Spirit of the Virgin Mary and was made man and was crucified also for us under Pontius Pilate. He suffered and was buried, and the third day he rose again, according to the scriptures. It's a very strong affirmation of both. The Chalcedonian Creed is even stronger. We then, following the Holy Fathers, all with one consent, teach men to confess one and the same Son, our Lord Jesus Christ, the perfect in Godhead and also perfect in manhood, truly God and truly man, of a reasonable soul and body, consubstantial with the Father according to the Godhead and consubstantial with us according to the manhood. In all things like unto us, without sin, begotten before all ages of the Father according to the Godhead, and in these latter days, for us and for our salvation, born of the Virgin Mary, the mother of God according to the manhood, one and the same Christ, Lord, Son, only begotten, to be acknowledged in two natures, inconfusedly, unchangeably, indivisibly, inseparably, the distinction of natures being by no means taken away by the union, but rather the property of each being preserved and a concurring in one person and one substance. Unchangeably, inconfusedly, inseparably, not divided, being unified. The church has celebrated and proclaimed that Christ is Lord incarnate, made man. And they had to figure out what it means to have Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. They had to figure out how to understand Jesus, who did things like eat, but also miraculously feed the hungry, grieve, but also heal, die on a cross, but also raised from the dead. The scriptures, the councils, they wrestled with how all of this could work out and what it meant for us to understand Jesus, what it meant for this Jesus to somehow connect to the God that they thought they knew before Jesus had arrived. So the church affirmed the truth of the incarnate God over and over and over again. This man who walked on the earth with the disciples, who really ate, drank, lived, and died, was revealed to be God. This God who healed and restored and forgave was revealed to be incarnate, 
a man. Even early on, there were teachers who said that Jesus was not really human. They either said that Jesus only seemed to be human, but was really just God in human appearance, or that the goal of life was to escape the realities of humanity, become a full spirit as they assumed that Jesus was. It turns out that it's not, that it is pretty easy to fall into the trap of not really confessing Jesus' humanity. If Jesus is God, but not really human, then we don't have to live up to the life that he lived. We can't really be expected to act the same way if Jesus isn't really human. So it's easy for us to skip over the nitty gritty details of his life. Have you ever heard or read the story of Jesus being tempted in the wilderness and thought, yeah, but he was God, so how much was he really tempted? Or read the story of the crucifixion and the resurrection and thought, yeah, but can God really die? If so, the denial of Jesus incarnate in the flesh is getting closer and closer. The truth of the gospel is that God is really incarnate, is really made man, and really rejoices, celebrates, grieves, hungers, thirsts, and dies, just as we do. The thing is, that denial of Jesus doesn't have to look like someone saying Jesus is false or saying they don't believe. Just like the purses in the clip were close to the originals, enough that most people would not have noticed the difference. Failing to confess Jesus the Son as the incarnate God can be close to the real thing. The similarity means that to spot the counterfeits, we have to know the life and teachings of Jesus. We have to be intimately familiar with what Jesus said, what he did, and how he lived. If we are not extremely detail-oriented about what Jesus said, about who he is, about the scriptures, how can we recognize the counterfeits when they sometimes seem so close to the real thing? And when we hear the spirits talking, we have to ask ourselves, do these spirits express the same teachings and life to us that Jesus did? The Spirit of God will not contradict Jesus, for it is Jesus whom the Spirit of God reveals. So when we test the spirits, is the message, those who lose their lives for my sake will find it, or it's your life, do as you please? Is it love your neighbor as yourself? Like Nikki read, in the words of Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. Like the words of the Great Samaritan, caring for the man he found on the side of the road. Or is the message about caring for ourselves, taking care of what we desire? Do the spirits sound like Jesus? John doesn't end there. If so, we might feel despair as we wonder how we can ever accurately test the spirits when counterfeits are so hard to detect. No. John reminds the church that the church has always known Jesus. The apostles, of whom John is one, have been with Jesus. They know the real thing, and they have testified to the real thing. That's why he writes. He has taught this church. 
But he's not going to ignore their struggles as they seek to find and follow the real Jesus in a world of counterfeits. He reminds them that they can follow the teachings of the apostles who have shared the teachings of Jesus. We do well to follow John's advice and immerse ourselves in the teachings of Jesus as they have been recorded for us by the disciples, to immerse ourselves in the teachings of the church and in the scriptures, in all of the details. This way, we will come to know Jesus intimately and we will be able to recognize the false spirits when they appear. John also reminds us that we are not alone in this endeavor. We can have confidence in God and confidence in God's convicting Holy Spirit, who both knows and reveals Jesus and is greater than the world. If we open our hearts to the Spirit of God, God will provide small convicting voice when we start to move away from the Spirit of God. God will convict us and reveal the truth. It will mean we have to listen. And when the Spirit says something we don't want to hear, we have to choose not to reject it, but to open our hearts and turn and follow Jesus. But we can trust the Spirit, and we can trust Jesus. And we can be sure that the Spirit of God will prevail in the world, so we can cast ourselves on God's mercy and love and know that the God who has come incarnate to redeem and save the world has come for us. Praise be to God. Amen. Thank you for listening. If you would like to learn more about the Free Methodist Church of Santa Barbara, you can visit us online at fmcsb.org. We pray this message has been a blessing to you.